This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, John Lynch stops by to tell us all about the S3 updates for ONTAP 9.12.1. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today on the phone, John Lance is here. So John, what do you do here at NetUp and how do I reach you? Hey Justin, my name is John Lance. I am a TME here at NetUp. I pretty much do all things objects. So you might know me from Fabricool, which uses object in the back end. And now on tap S3 as well. Best way to reach me, email. I try to stay off the socials as much as I can. So sorry, no, no Twitter or Twitch for you. That's all right. So would you say that people often treat you like an object? <laughs> Frequently. I have been objectified. It's terrible. It's terrible to be objectified. So we're here to talk about S3 and object storage with ONTAP. And before we get into what's new and the latest release of ONTAP, I'd like to just kind of talk about S3 and what it is and why people are using it and kind of some of the background in ONTAP with us. So take it away, John. Sure. So I guess S3 in general has been around for a long time. So I guess Reset is ONTAP. When we think of ONTAP, we think of NAS and probably SAN. So NAS is going to be files and you're using file-based protocols, FS, SMB, SAN, iSCSI, Fiber Channel, and it's all block-based with, with SAN. Objects are something totally different. And so what we've seen in the last couple of years, it's really good for reading more than writing. And it's not really known for performance, but it is known for scalability. And so in the olden days, I think people would go cheap and deep and they just use like archival storage and they target object there because it's really good at just scaling out at scales like way beyond what we could do even with ONTAP in a single cluster. We're seeing a lot of applications nowadays, kind of with the growth of Amazon S3, Lots of client applications are doing basically additional workloads with existing data sets. So it's not just an archival kind of use case. Actually, that's kind of gone by the wayside. We still see that for sure. But it's more of like active archives where it's like maybe it's not in my screaming NFS or fiber channel workloads, but it's still something that I want to do work with. So that could be like analytics, AI, ML, lots of use cases there. And so that's what we're seeing a lot with object storage or really S3, just because Customers got comfortable doing that in Amazon and I guess technically Microsoft blob storage, similar kind of use cases with cold data sets that you could get more work out of. And then those kind of migrated into not so cold data sets. And nowadays we just see straight up, it was built as an S3 client first and they weren't even thinking about file or block kind of protocols. And so that's kind of where ONTAP S3 kind of came from is we had the ability to do hybrid systems where it's like I'm doing file and block in the same system or multi-protocol in the same volume where it's like I'm using NFS and SMB in the same volume. And we had customers saying, hey, everybody does S3 or a lot of folks are doing S3 or specifically me, the customer today wants to do S3. How come I can't do that on ONTAP? I can do everything else except for S3. And so that changed back in 9.8. And so now you can do S3 inside of ONTAP, just going to where the customers were, where they're saying, hey, I have native S3 client applications. I want to use it to do that. Likewise, FabricPool, completely different product. That's our tiering product inside of ONTAP, where it's just like, hey, I have 
cold data, why would I keep it on my expensive SSDs if I can move it somewhere else, but still having some access to it? Customers started using ONTAP S3 as an endpoint for that as well. And so those are our, kind of our big use cases right now with ONTAP. So that was back in 9.8 was when we launched. We're talking about 9.12 in today's podcast. And so it's been around for a while. And the big use cases today are just using it as a fabricable endpoint, which is a very dumb implementation, but it's extremely high performance and it massively reduces total cost of ownership. Or more recently, just straight up native S3 client applications, because there's a ton of those out there nowadays where they were just built natively in the cloud kind of thing. And what's even faster than the cloud is on-prem. And so we're having customers using S3 on ONTAP now. So we already have an S3 provider with Storage Grid at NetApp. So when would I choose something like an ONTAP versus something like a Storage Grid? Where do they kind of converge and where do they differ? That's an excellent question. So, like, and to be clear, so, so Storage Grid is predates Tap S3 or running S3 inside of ONTAP as our kind of premier object storage. And honestly, that is not changing. If anything, we're going to see these kind of converge and get better in terms of how they work together. But Storage Grid remains like that's our flagship object store. And the scale of Storage Grid is phenomenal, certainly greater than the scale of what we see in ONTAP clustering. You know, ONTAP you know, honestly, most customers are like a two-node HA pair, and then we have a lot of uh, a smaller subset of customers that are using you know, 24 nodes, but that's where we max out is a 24-node cluster. And the grid, we have customers using storage grid where literally the, the sun never sets on their grid. It's so large, 680, I think, petabytes is what they can kind of scale out to versus you can't fit that under 24 nodes. And so those are, I think, the big differences of they have a larger capacity, a more unified space instead of just being cluster-based, like that grid goes across so many different nodes and their ILM policies or information lifecycle management is significantly better. I mean, it, it was built as object store from the ground up. It remains our flagship object store. For new customers, I think that aren't coming as object first, if you're coming object first, you're probably going to look at storage grid. But if you're looking at, hey, I already have an ONTAP system and I want to tinker around or run some smaller scale things, ONTAP S3 is really good. The flip side of having this ultimate capacity out in storage grid, 200 node grids and stuff, is even the smallest grid, I think is like three nodes, and then you need some some admin, so you probably have like a SD100 load balancer or something like that. So there's a not insignificant footprint that you have to start with with storage grid, and that's not the case with ONTAP, where it's just like, hey, I want to create a bucket inside my existing ONTAP system. No one creates a 20 terabyte storage grid because it's way too small. You can 100% do that with the snap of your fingers with ONTAP S3. So I think that's where they are today. One is like massive at scale, ultimate object store versus the other is just all ONTAP all the time, runs anywhere ONTAP does using the same GUI, CLI, et cetera, that you're used to. Just now it speaks the S3 protocol. I think a roadmap kind of things is we're looking at those working better together as we move forward. They already kind of work together today in terms of some of our data protection inside of ONTAP S3, in terms of basically mirroring like a bucket that's in ONTAP up to the grid. And we just like to improve that over time. So yeah, they are different, but I think they're actually going to work closer together as we move forward in the future, rather than being two kind of separate entities. So it yeah, sounds, sounds like with S3, with Storage Grid, you're looking at if you're massive scale, native S3, not really doing anything else. With ONTAP, it's if you already have it in place or you want to use other protocols in addition to S3, 
that would be more like what you're looking for, especially if you're not looking for that same kind of scale. Exactly. Exactly. All the benefits of ONTAP are already there. So it's not just the scale. It's just sometimes familiarity counts for a lot. Single pane of glass kind of counts as well. So we have customers that just say 20 terabytes. I just want to spin that up right now. I want to look at it all in System Manager or maybe in like Blue XP or further GUI of choices. They want to play with it that way. And then it's just ONTAP. So they know what a flex group is. They're expecting dedupe compression, compaction, all the storage efficiencies. They expect everything that ONTAP brings to bring that to S3 as well. And so that's the benefit to ONTAP is, yeah, it doesn't have the scale or the ILM and management capabilities that Storage Grid does, but it has all the other things that ONTAP bring to the table. What about the snapshot protection? Is that pretty similar in S3 for Storage Grid and ONTAP, or is there a vast difference there? There's kind of a big difference. So objects are not files. <laughs> so the, they really don't have the sort coordinate, I don't know, what do we do with snapshots? It's like a delta and it's like a point in time that says between this version and this version, things changed and I only need to know what changed. And even that I can make extremely storage efficient. Objects don't do that. <laughs> objects do have versioning, but it's basically the entire object gets copied and appended onto the object. So it's not super storage efficient in terms of versioning. So it's not like that sliver delta. Data protection just does work differently. We do have a thing called S3 SnapMirror inside of ONTAP S3. Honestly, if you're coming from the world of SnapMirror, SnapMirror in ONTAP, it's not going to be the same. It's not those like extremely efficient deltas. It's really just like a copy of that data that we can spin off and use as a backup copy or even use as a DR copy. If you disaster event takes place, my DR just became my primary. That works too, but it is different. It's basically coming at it from an object kind of perspective rather than a file-based perspective. With object storage, you have an entirely separate copy of an object once there's a new version. I would imagine that lends itself pretty well to something like deduplication. Is it pretty space efficient when you turn the storage efficiencies on? Does that work pretty well? Yeah. So again, dedupe, compression, compaction, the basic efficiencies that you see in ONTAP, they apply to your objects as well. You're totally right that the appended object that lands on top of the other object that becomes a single object with versioning on it, it's still subject to all the storage efficiency inside of ONTAP. It's just not that little sliver of delta that you get with a classic snap mirror right. snapshot. So, so our replication is not as efficient, but our storage efficiencies are still pretty good, if not better in some cases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way better than you would see in like a, a cloud provider just doing versioning, where it's just like that starts eating away at your capacity rapidly. Yeah. You don't see that in ONTAP just because of the storage efficiencies that are cooked into ONTAP. So what about the S3 protocol itself? I mean, are we pretty much up to speed with all the supported features with the S3 protocol as compared to, say, Storage Grid or any other S3 provider? Or do we still have a little ways to go in ONTAP with that? I say we still have a ways to go, but we're getting really close. Truth be told, it really depends on what version you're on. And in 9.12.1, which is our latest version, most of what customer clients that speak S3, most of what they want to do is there now. Multi-part upload, versioning, tagging, et cetera, et cetera. That's there nowadays in 9.12, if not even 9.11 kind of thing. Upload part copy is new in 9.12, copying in general. The truthful story is it just gets better every single release, but honestly, I'm pretty comfortable on 9.12 in terms of its capabilities. I'll be frank, Storage Grid is superior in terms of list of the API kind of operations that it can do. But in terms of 
other folks in kind of the ONTAP space and what the customer client applications are trying to do, we're pretty close to being there today. I'd say that probably wasn't the case like back in 98, 99, because it was like brand new to ONTAP. And we were trying to just hit kind of like the 80-20 rule. What we were sticking on for a while, I think like versioning was a big one. And that got solved in our last release where lots of data protection applications 100% need to use versioning and you couldn't until 9-11. So it does get better every release, but I'll be honest, if you need some edge S3 API operation, you're probably going to want to look at Storage Grid instead. But for the vast majority of client apps out there, it's pretty robust now in terms of what we can do with, with ONTAP S3. You mentioned S3 SnapMirror, and, and what's great about that is if you do start on something like an ONTAP, and then you realize that, hey, maybe this isn't quite what I needed, I can S3 SnapMirror that to a Storage Grid and then start using it there. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. It's a copy of all the data in that bucket. And so you can move it anywhere you want. So DR, that's for like backup and you can break that relationship and now start running data in the grid or anywhere else. The DR function really only works from ONTAP to ONTAP. So say I was using on-prem ONTAP and my DR location was a cloud volumes ONTAP instance. I could actually have a DR capability there where flood hits my on-prem I can start hosting data straight out of the cloud. You can't do that, at least today, with other providers, but we expect to see that hopefully with Storage Grid, probably over the horizon, don't want to promise timeframes. We're looking at that sort of capability in terms of those working better together. But yeah, this quick answer is like, can you copy everything that's in your bucket and move it and do additional work with it somewhere else? Absolutely. It's good. But you mentioned... 9.12.1 having new feature functionality, and you mentioned the stuff about S3 protocol. Now, there is a pretty major piece of the 9.12.1 release, and it's something that I think that people have been really asking for quite a bit, and it's not really available on Storage Grid. You mentioned Storage Grid being more robust for a lot of things, but this is one area where it doesn't compete. So tell me about the new feature that's available in 9.12.1 with ONTAP S3. Sure. So you'll like this because in my mind, you're the multi-protocol guru or certainly were for a very long point in time in terms of NFS and SMB. And so the exciting thing that comes out in 9.12.1 for, for ONTAP is basically bringing S3 into that multi-protocol kind of support. So it's not 100% file object duality yet because it really does have to be NAS first today. Um, but yeah, that's brand new in 9.12. And then the ask was we had customers that maybe they or they absolutely had data that brought in from NFS and they wanted to work with it doing backend tasks and their favorite analytics tool was S3 client. So bad news, 9.8 through 9.11, the previous ONTAP S3 releases, is you couldn't do that. You could, but you basically have to copy all your data out, you know, put it into a bucket. So it leaves a volume or directory, moves over to a bucket. Now you're basically replicating data it becomes inefficient, it's more labor for the storage admin, et cetera. So it was not multi-protocol support at all. It was basically data leaves a volume, moves over to a bucket, and then you can work with it as normal. So what changed in 9.12 is now we brought in the ability to use the S3 protocol in your existing NAS volumes. So now those analytics operations, whether it's AI, ML, intelligence, whatever, like, 
those are what we're seeing in terms of requests right now. And they're native S3. You can point your native S3 clients at that volume. You basically present it as a bucket. And yes, it's still files underneath, but just like those files can speak NFS or SMB, depending on the client, now they can speak S3 as well, depending on that client. And really all we're doing is doing the same kind of mapping that you're familiar with is again, it has to be NAS first. You need to have the SMB users or the Unix users that are already there because we're going to map that bucket and that S3 user to an existing set of users. But assuming you have that, it's read-write. It's not just read-only. It's read-write. It's everything into the data that's it's really a file under the hood, but it's presenting itself as an object. So you can have classic applications that are doing data collection today. Say I have like satellite imagery or medical imagery, I see it a lot with imagery, at least in this first release, is they bring in their images using classic NFS or SMB, and then they want to work with it and basically mine that for additional data using their modern S3 analytics tools, and now they can. So they basically mount that volume. It can even be a directory. They mount that and it looks like a bucket to the S3 client, and now the S3 client can do all its rewrites that it wants to do. So you're basically getting double labor out of your existing data sets is kind of the cool thing. So it's already was doing you know, double duty in terms of NFS and SMB. And now you can point S3 at it as well. So yeah, that's brand new. Just to, again, to be clear, it's NAS first. So we do have native S3 with ONTAP, um, but native S3 is basically S3 only. You can't convert a bucket into a volume that presents files. What you can do is take a volume that presents files or has literal files in it and present that as objects, present that as a bucket. That's something it's brand new in 9.12. And we're at least from my perspective, obviously I'm in the world of object and stuff, but it's pretty hot right now. And lots of folks are looking into that kind of capability. It takes the legacy stuff that you've always been using for your applications and then modernizes it in a way because now you can leverage an S3 application against stuff that's already writing using NFS or SMB. And you see that a lot, I think, with medical imaging, right? Taking radiology images and being able to have your analytics compare it to other radiology images to figure out if there's a cancer present or adding data to the database for that particular use case there. Yep. Yeah, so imaging is probably the number one thing I'm seeing now, but I'm expecting lots of tasks that work with metadata as well, is folks will start looking at that where it's like, hey, I don't need my NFS or SMB clients to do that. Uh, maybe they're the data gathering side of the workload versus I'm just going to crunch analytics in the background and get more data out of data sets that I already have just using the latest and greatest clients. It doesn't have to be something fancy like, curing cancer with MRIs, except we 100% do see that, or amazing satellite data and, and mining that. It can be something as simple as, hey, I signed my mortgage and uh, they're going to run OCR on it <laughs> and, and grab additional data out of that. So lots of use cases that some of them are super cool and some of them are super helpful to, you know, to the actual customer. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you were talking about writing to a volume and then presenting it as a bucket and how this particular feature is only one way right now. So that got me thinking, if I'm presenting it as a bucket, can I write to it later as a file? Or once it's a bucket, is it an object and I can't do anything with it? How is that going to work there? So Justin, it's awesome. You can 
read write from both ends. So obviously there's no locks really. It is different than having handles and locks and what we're used to in NAS environments. But you know, if there's a conflict, there's conflict resolution that kicks off and stuff. But yeah, you can have you know active clients from your NFS or SMB side of the house, as well as active clients from S3, all touching the same data. The difference is when a NAS client touches it, it's going to treat it like a file because it, it really is a file. And so you can like make individual changes to a file, <laughs> which is like unheard of in the world of object, where if the S3 client touches it, it blows out the old file and creates a brand new one. It's still object in terms of how the puts are working versus how a file is doing reads, writes, deletes, etc. So it is different depending on who or I guess what client is touching it. But in terms of is the data set active to everybody at the same time? Yes. So John, this is a relatively new feature functionality for S3, the multi-protocol piece. So I imagine there's some things that are going to be limited here, like things that aren't supported, things that maybe you should or shouldn't do. So can you kind of run down that list for me just to kind of give me an idea so I don't walk into any pits filled with snakes? Sure, sure. So there are a couple of snakes. Let's just be honest about what this is. It's files. So it's still a file-based system. Again, we're starting with a NAS volume that presents itself as S3 and you can read right to it and do all sorts of things, but it's still files under the hood. So some things that just make sense in the object world and don't make sense in the file world. And so there's some that just don't work. And it, the things I'm about to list are like, these are things that work in native S3 in ONTAP. So ONTAP S3 totally supports these things, but the multi-protocol version of presenting a NAS volume as a bucket, these aren't supported yet. We're working hard on these, but I'll just be frank, in 9.12, versioning isn't supported. A file doesn't really have the same kind of concept as an object version. Multi-part upload is kind of a big one. Tags and the user-defined metadata is also not supported. So a couple of things that aren't supported, again, that's exclusive to the multi-protocol version of S3. If you're doing native S3 applications that have nothing to do with a file, so there's no NFS, no SMB involved whatsoever, all those work. So that's kind of the snakes. Here's the ladder that, that gets you out of the pit, or just something interesting is snakes, versioning, multiple upload tags, etc. Ladder is the things that work in file that didn't work in S3, like native S3, they do work in the multi-protocol version. So things like Fabric Pool or SnapMirror, not S3 SnapMirror, but real SnapMirror. How about Flex Clone, something that everybody does. So those things all work just the same way they always do because it's still a file under the covers. So we have lots of customers say, hey, I want to tier my S3 data. I'm doing like real hot workloads on native S3, but I can't use Fabric Pool here because you don't allow Fabric Pool with a native S3 bucket. Well, there's a way around that. If you build it as a native you know, NAS volume and then present it at S3, now you can tier your S3 data out of there. So just like there are some snakes, there are some ladders as well. And again, it comes back to this starts as a file-based system that presents as S3. It's not as a native S3 system. Honestly, that's just like file and block is different. File and object is different too. So there's some things that just don't transfer over. If it makes you feel better, engineering, hard at work on some of these. So like that list I just gave, like that's not going to be an eternal list. That's just where we are on 9.12.1, which again, very first release for multi-protocol file object duality. 
Yeah, and I think what happens is people have ONTAP and they look at it and they're like, oh, this is ONTAP 9.12.1. It's all good. But in reality, you're dealing with ONTAP and feature 1.0. So <laughs> feature goes to 2.0, 3.0, and then we start to see things that we want in there more often and fewer snakes to worry about. But it is important to know that they exist. Correct. And I think that's fair. So you mentioned Fabric Pool and FlexClone and all that. What about FlexCache? Like, can I use FlexCache to present? to a client as an object store as a cache, or do I not have that ability yet? Yeah, flex cache is in there as well. So if it's coming from the file-based world, it's still there. So the catch with flex cache is you're presenting the files out as the cache. So you can basically still have flex cache out front serving up your file-based systems, but your S3 clients aren't coming into the cache volume, they're coming into the classic NAS volume. So you can run them both at the same time, but it's not caching for your S3 clients, at least today. Yeah, and I guess the point of my question was, can I touch S3 with the cache? And I guess you've answered that for me. It's it's still a NAS cache, not an S3 cache. Correct, yeah. Okay, cool. So it sounds like we've got some cool functionality here, and it's only going to get better throughout the future releases. Is there anything else to add about multi-protocol for S3 or anything that we haven't covered here yet? No, I think these are the big things. I think the 9.11, 9.12, every single release brings on additional S3 actions, but we kind of expect those and it's not super exciting. It is, if your client needs versioning, it's exciting when we support it, but this one's kind of groundbreaking. File object duality in general is kind of like a holy grail in, in the world of object. Lots of folks try it. Not very many people implement it well. That's another thing. Performance is really good here. We haven't even mentioned performance. Again, it's technical. We're talking with a RC release right around the corner, but I've seen it in the lab. It's pretty good. There is going to be a performance hit compared to straight up NFS or even straight up S3. There is some translation and mapping and that's going to add a little bit of latency, but it's really good performance. A lot of tools that say they do file object duality kind of on the box, when you actually try to run them in a production enterprise environment, they don't always meet expectations. And in terms of performance, we're meeting, if not surpassing our initial expectations right now. So, and again, like you were saying, this is the first release. It's 9.12.1, but it's like the first release of multi-protocol support for S3. So we anticipate that that will only improve moving forward. So most of these features, they get like an early access program where they get some customers in there to try it out. And I imagine this feature is no different. So that said, I mean, did you have one of those? And if so, what were your customers saying about the feature? We did. Back has been universally positive, so can't name names. And to be fair, when we do the early access program, we kind of set an expectation ahead of time. So we're saying, hey, you need to have a NAS volume. Your initial data has to be populated, users, et cetera. We're going to be working with a file-based system that's going to present so your S3 clients and then do the mining jobs that they're doing. And universally happy customers here. Really the problem that it solves, especially for the EAP customers who are going to be implementing it as soon as we go RC, if not GA, is it's that problem of, I want to use S3 clients with my existing data sets. And it's a real hassle, if not just a, a bad hit in terms of capacity to have to copy that out to you know, some other location, Uh, or even if it's the same location, now it just becomes inefficient. And so it solves that. And it might not sound like a big problem if you're just thinking, oh, I have a a directory with a couple gigs of data. But like with customers at petabyte scales now, 
you don't want to have to try to copy a petabyte of data out to a bucket in the cloud somewhere when you can just let the volume where that petabyte already lives start speaking S3. And that's the neat part about multi-protocol in 912.1. Yeah. And I mean, you're kind of short selling it here. It is about capacity, and but it's also about speed. It takes time to copy that data. It's also about cost and ingress charges in the cloud. It's also about management, like manageability, being able to do it time efficiently and like not having to worry about it as a storage administrator. It's just there. You don't have to do anything but just present the data. Yeah. Cool. Well, it sounds like it's a really promising new feature. I think a lot of people are going to really want to take it out for a ride and try it out and kick the tires and that sort of thing. Anything else new in S3 and non-tap 9.12.1 or did we kind of recap it all here? Again, we got a couple new actions, so not super exciting. And honestly, there are like some things that we could already do. So again, it's kind of a new feature. So some of these actions were like, oh, like delete a bucket or something like that, where what? You couldn't do that before? Well, th this is not true for 912.1. This is just an example of something where it's like, yeah, you could always do that in, you know, on tap, but maybe we didn't have the RESTful APIs so you could do it via a call. So some new things that came in S3 is mostly about policies and copying. So delete, put, get for bucket policies is all brand new in terms of being able to use like an actual SVL S3 action. Um, likewise for objects, you know, we got object copy and upload part copy. So we could do some of these things before, not necessarily on, on the copy side. So again, it's just Every single release gets new functionality. So that's kind of what we're looking at for 9.12.1 in terms of new APIs or support for S3 operations. Yeah, the big one though, we spend a lot of time is multi-protocol. I think that's where the excitement is coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I did think of one other thing and I can't believe we haven't already covered it, but what's the setup like? Like, what do I have to do to get this working in the environment? Yeah, so it's so simple. You go into System Manager and basically you're going to go in and find that volume and say, I want to basically mount that volume or even like a you know, folder directory underneath that and say, hey, I want to present this as a bucket. And ta-da, you're good to go. What we're finding right now for customers that are initially touching it is they're coming in, they're saying, hey, you got a new toy. I can't wait to play with it. And so they go in, they create a volume and then they try to present it as a bucket. And they're like, hey, what's happening? My user can't access this. And again, it's NAS first. So you have to have users to map it to. <laughs> so if you don't have your Unix users or SMB, if there's nothing to map that S3 user to, we're going to have a problem. So that's the gotcha right now. Make sure it's, it's NAS and can present NAS data normally. And then you're good to go. The actual implementing the S3 protocol on top of it is super simple. Do you want to say for customers that are new to just S3 in general, especially if you're coming from an older release, the S3 license is just like any kind of protocol license. You got to install it if it didn't come on that release. So that didn't happen until 9.8. So if you're coming over from earlier releases, you don't have the S3 license. You got to go out to the support side and get it. It's totally free, but it is something that you got to put on your system. All right, so licensing, I would imagine I'd have to set up the S3 server configuration as well, right? Like all the different keys and that sort of thing to allow access and authentication. Is that correct? Correct. You're still going to set up a data lift to present your data, et cetera. So absolutely. Thank you, Justin. And that data lift, is it a special data lift for S3 or can I use the S3 data lift with NFS and SMB as well? Yep, same lift. You're, you're okay. good. 
And then the name mapping rules. I know we have Unix to Windows, Windows to Unix. Do we now have a new S3 to Unix or S3 to Windows? Or is that just all using the same name mapping logic we've always had? So if you're familiar with how mapping works, NFS, SMB, we're just adding S3 protocol into the mix. Right. And I guess my question more of was, if I already have a multi-protocol environment, I've already got maybe name mappings in there, or maybe I'm using an LDAP server for implicit mapping. So I've already got Unix users. So when that S3 user comes in, it should map one-to-one if the name's the same, but aren't the users a little differently formulated than, say, a Unix user? Don't they have, like, a UUID type of tag with them? How does that work? It's not going to map same to same just based on the name. You do have to do that when the client comes in during the initial config. So you're going to give your permissions on the S3 side to say, hey, these are my clients, or these are my clients and the policies and groups they're associated with, the permissions that they have. Then the NFS side gets mapped on top of that. But you do have to say, this is my client, this is the authentication, et cetera, that I want to map over to this other one. Okay. And and I imagine this will be all covered in the technical report. And which one is that going to be in? Actually, yeah, great. So for the first release, the TR is going to be 4814. That's our S3 TR. So good news, bad news. I know we have some folks that work in the field or partners and have access to the field portal. This information, as soon as we go RC, is going to be out there on the field portal. And that's the technical presentations, the FAQs, etc. For the public-facing data, we normally wait to go GA, but that'll show up in TR4814, that's ONTEP S3 best practices, and that shows up as soon as we go GA. Okay, cool. And we'll include that link in the blog as well. So it sounds like we've got a lot of promising stuff here with S3 and multi-protocol. Again, John, if we wanted to reach you, how do we do that? Another good place to do that is going to be ng-ontap-s3-info. A lot of dashes in that one. A lot of dashes. Um, app.com. <laughs> I think it'll be better to just like put a link on the page. Yeah, yeah, we'll put a link. We yeah. Nobody's going to write that down, man. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. And if you're internal to NetApp, it'll auto-populate. Where if you're external to NetApp, go to the blog. You'll find the email address there. That ng will have multiple people on there ready and willing to answer all your S3 questions. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank John Lance for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.